0: Shout out to Steve Train. Jump on the Steve Train. We Real Estate
1: Disruptors. Hey everybody, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today we've got Tony Javier with Real Estate Masters 10X TV back for the second time. And Tony flew in from San Diego to talk about how to get motivated seller leads using TV commercials. Now I am on a mission to create 100 millionaires and the information on this podcast alone is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years If you'll take consistent action, you will become one. Now, right now you might have some questions about your business. I have made my team available to answer those questions for you to the best of their ability. So if this sounds like something that might be interesting to you, send me a message on Instagram and we'll see if we can point you in the right direction. And the show is brought to you by our company, InvestorLift. Get access to over 2 million cash buyers across the country. Go to InvestorLift.com, put in disruptors to get 10% off. And if you get value today, please tag it from below. Share this episode right now. That way we can all grow together. And don't forget, we do have Party in the Disruption tomorrow and Certainty Talks on Friday. And this is a live show. So please ask your questions for Tony to answer. You ready? Let's do it. All right. So you were on this show not that long ago. I want to say beginning this year?
0: Last September.
1: Last September. Yeah. All right. Almost so it's been a, a year over already. A little over a year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what's changed since the last time you were on this show?
0: Yeah, so we launched um, 10X TV, real estate masters TV is what we formally called it. And uh, that was back in January of last year. So September of last year, we'd only been doing it nine months, right? Right. So we were just getting some data, things were going really well with our clients. And um, now we, uh, we're up to about 115 in, uh, real estate investors we're servicing with TV commercials around the country. Wow. And so we're trying to grow that. The problem is, is we're selling out of markets. <laughs> So, you do have
1: a limited supply.
0: We do. We do. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's a struggle. So we are adding radio to the mix. Mm-hmm. Um we kind of slowly are doing that right now. Um because radio and TV go really well together. Um, because of the way media works. TV I feel like is the number one way to build credibility in your market and also get you a really good return and radio commercial uh, radio commercials are very similar to that. They just don't have the visual aspect of it. Yeah. Um so yeah, so we're we're growing and we're trying to figure out how to expand.
1: So Right now, I, I, had a, I had a friend, um, have a friend, and I remember he told me, like, I want to say maybe like six years ago, seven years ago, it was a presidential election. Mm-hmm. And he was like, the month of no- November was a nothing burger, right? Because we cannot compete with all the politicians.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They have more money. Well, not just the politicians these days, but the PACs. They have more money than they know what to do with. Yep. What is your guys' experience with this?
0: Yeah, so they pay two to three times market rate, I mean, and, and stations know that, that they'll pay it, so they mm. jack up the rates um, for some commercials. So luckily, we've, we're avatars different than a lot of others to where we buy inexpensive commercials in a certain time of day mm. that politicians don't buy as much of. Uh, so we've been lucky. So if someone's spending five grand a month um, in you know the months that, that the election commercials are running, they might see a ten to twenty percent drop in the commercials that they get. Oh, that's not too bad. So, so instead of five grand a month, they might be spending like five or four grand a month, right? Um, so luckily, we haven't had a huge issue with that. But there are, there have, there's going to be some months this year that we're just not going to be able to get as many commercials because we're not going to spend two to three times the market rate for our clients. It's right. just not going to make sense.
1: So you got. Um, so you started adding radio. How long ago did you add radio? We
0: literally just started last week. We re- okay. I reached out to a handful of clients. They're like, "heck yeah, we're gonna do it" because they're you know doing really well with uh, with TV. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're slowly rolling out our clients right now, um, adding radio, and then um, as we probably next few months, um, we're gonna give that just access to our clients, and then uh, maybe <laughs> maybe start selling it more to the masses. Because like if you know, for instance, if someone wants to. Mark in Phoenix and we're already sold out in Phoenix, if one of our clients doesn't want to do radio in Phoenix, then we can sell them radio right. and uh, and help other people that way.
1: Got it. So, you know, you have this situation where you've capped, or not capped, but there is a cap mm-hmm. of how much you can penetrate um, the, the real estate investor um, business owner. right. So how close, do you have an idea of how close you are to that cap?
0: Yeah, so we, we could sell about 350 spots throughout the country. And okay. that's if we sell out even just all of the smaller markets. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, it's probably 250 to 300 for the, for the main markets, you know, like a, a Phoenix, a Dallas, a, a Kansas City, you know, those types of cities. Right. Um, so yeah, I'd say between 250 to 300 spots. So we're almost halfway there. Um, but again, the, the struggle is if, you know, the next 10 people could inquire about markets that are already sold out.
1: Yeah. What's the, what are the big markets right now that to the top of your head is available today?
0: Well, off the top of my head, uh, I mean, we have some small markets like, you know, Chattanooga, let's say, Tennessee. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of like small markets on the East Coast, um, you know, like we have uh, Myrtle Beach, there's a spot open. Charleston, we're sold out. We've got a waiting list there. There's actually some some good markets we have waiting lists in. Um, let's see, what else do we have? Um, I want to say Tucson. We may have a spot there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of those mid to small markets are actually really good markets because you can spend a small ad spend. And when I say small ad spend, five grand a month to me is a small ad spend. Yeah. Um, and guys are making anywhere from thirty to fifty to hundred. Some are making up to 200 grand a month on a $5,000 ad spend. So it's just absolutely annihilating in some yeah. markets. Um, but as you know, it's all about, you know not, not just the commercial and, and who you're hitting, but it's also about the sales process, right? right. And, oh, which is obviously where you come in. So if they can convert on, on the other side, we can drive the leads. If they can convert, they can, I mean, that's why we call it 10 X TV. I mean, it's hitting 10 times more people, 10 times faster, 10 times easier. And our clients that are doing really well are getting a 10 X return or more.
1: Yeah, I was actually having a conversation with someone uh, the other day, and we were talking about how um, we're not spending as much on marketing right now. You know, we, we've cut back on marketing as as this uh, market has evolved. Uh-huh. And they were asking me, like, "Well, you know, how is this affecting um, your your uh, uh, your business right now?" I was like, "Well, our guys are definitely having to work harder, but the marketing, all it really, like, we already have everyone in Phoenix, right? Like, there was a point in time where we skipped traced the entire market." And so, really, we we only have a handful of people that we haven't—not a handful of people. There's only so many people that we haven't reached, Mm -hmm. right? So all the marketing is doing for us is finding the ones that's ready to go now, right? So instead of having like this kind of this massive gray area, we have like, all right, here are the ten dots we need to focus on right now. So, and that's the power of advertising. So, what is your, um, you know, your group, the people that you're working with? how are they experiencing this particular real estate market?
0: Well, I think the ones that are smart are still going to market. Like mm-hmm. there's some that literally just stopped all their marketing, right? I mean- have I have a list for that. What's that?
1: Have, that's a list we're going to need in a little bit.
0: Okay. okay. <laughs> um, so I don't, I, I don't think that's a smart thing. I mean, obviously there's different situations. There's some people sure. that literally have all of their dollars into flips and they just need to stop marketing and put the money into flips, get them sold and, and, and put it back into marketing. I understand that. Um, but I, I don't think it's smart to just stop all your marketing. Mm-hmm. Scale back, maybe you know, be smarter. Obviously, um, even the time of year we're coming to. I mean, we're coming mm-hmm. in October, November, December. That's when people are slower. But I think a lot of people are slower also because they they pause or stop their advertising mm-hmm. or slow it down in those months. So of yep. course, of course, you're going to slow down. Um, for me, I, I like pushing through those through those months and spending the same amount because just like you said, I mean, if you're not running in December on TV and someone's ready to sell they're not going to see you until January. It may be too late, right? right? So for me, November, December might be a little bit slower, but we've also had some really good months and we're also getting in front of those people that may not call you till January, but they may write your number down in November, December. Yeah, you know,
1: well, for us, in my own personal experience, uh, December, November, December, lead flow is always lower. However, those are always a larger margins because everyone else has stopped right, or slowed down, right. but at the same time, if you're going to sell right now in December, then you're clearly more motivated. So that's been my experience. Have you guys seen the same thing?
0: Yeah. Yeah. We've had some really big months in, in November, December, and January when people say they're slow. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. When people are slowing down, speed up. Why not? Or, or stay the same pace pace, uh, pace at least. Yeah. You know?
1: So as far as your clients, I mean, are they seeing any kind of like, Because I think what's kind of cool, right? Because you have audience or clients across the country. You kind of have like this ebb and flow. You kind of see the what's happening on a nation nationwide level. Mm-hmm. What you must have some sort of intel what you're seeing out there.
0: From what standpoint, like real uh, estate prices, as far as or? real estate
1: market, like you know what area is slow, what area is hot, and, and so on.
0: Yeah, it's definitely market specific. I mean, for instance, Wichita, Kansas is my main market where I do real estate, and we bought a house a few months ago. Uh, we thought we'd sell it for ninety thousand, which you know lower lower end property, obviously. Um, we put on the market for 115 and got a full price cash offer, you know, $25,000 above what we thought it was going to sell for. Um, I'm keeping a lot of the properties we're buying. So mm. this is one of the first properties I've sold this year just because yeah. we're keep, we're stacking up on rentals um, for a lot of different reasons. And um, so our market's hot. I mean, it's still like it may not be $20,000 over asking price like it used to be on mm. a $150,000 house, but you're still getting your asking price, which is still higher than you may have thought you were going to get in the first place, Right. right. Um, so markets that didn't get hit in 2007, uh, Wichita, Kansas, those kinds of markets, I think are really strong. Um, San Francisco, I think is getting annihilated in some different areas of, of San Francisco. Um, San Diego is dipping a little bit where I live. Um, you know, I think we're, we're down 5% or so in the last six months, um, which I think it's just going to bounce back. I, I think it's just a temporary correction. Um. So yeah, I mean we're we're seeing stuff happen in different markets, but f- what I'm telling from what I see from about 90% of our clients is instead of getting $20,000 over asking, they're getting asking. Yeah. Instead of selling in um, you know, one day or one week or less, it's taking 30 days, 60 days. Right. You know, people are freaking out after 30 days and they're like, "Oh my god, my house has you know, I'm going to slash the price." And it's like, "No, I mean, just be patient." You know, in most markets cuz still the inventory is really low. Um, and I think that's where some of the price drop, that's that's where people say, oh, so many prices are dropping percentage-wise in market. And it's because people are freaking out because they're not selling in the first week. Yeah. And we've gotten so spoiled.
1: Well, not I mean, not just spoiled. I mean, our perspective has completely shifted. Uh, you know, like the things we were saying as, as, as this market was shifting is like, you know, the people that haven't been here for a while aren't used to the fact that it doesn't, houses don't sell in two or three days and you don't always get multiple offers. And we said that, and now we're experiencing. We're now we're experiencing what other people kind of like this trauma that they're going through. It's massive panic, Mm -hmm. lots and lots of panicking. So, uh, with doing TV, I know for me, you know, a lot of the leads that come in, generally, um, when they call in, not not generally, but a good percentage of them, maybe a third, something along those lines, they're calling in already listed. Are you guys finding that right now?
0: No. No, um, just from TV or just in general TV. No, I mean, we get a percentage, obviously that are, yeah. they're going to be listed, but for the most part, they're off market. Yeah.
1: All right. What do you guys, how are you guys handling it? If it is listed?
0: Uh, well, my acquisitions person is licensed. So there's going to be some things you have to make sure you do, um, if you're licensed. Um, but if they're listed, most likely it's not a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, unless they're like, Hey, my house is listed for 150, We'll take 120, you know, mm-hmm. and they didn't tell their agent or, you know, they're not lowering the price. So, right. um, that's only, honestly over 20 years. In 20 years, that's only happened, I think, once or twice where they call this and that same thing happened. And we ended up <laughs> negotiating and, and buying the house. Yeah. Uh, for, but for the most part, if they're listed, they're probably not good deals.
1: Got it. And you mentioned something about a joint venture uh, earlier.
0: Yeah. So last year, um, when I came on the podcast back in September, um, we started seeing some really good data from our clients because we, we started early in the year launching TV commercials. And we had clients coming to us and being like, first month I made 50 grand, second month I made 100 grand um, on $5,000 ad spend. I mean, I use that a lot because there's a lot of markets you can spend five grand mm-hmm. and, and get a lot of commercials. And I thought, okay, how can we implement TV commercials and markets ourselves? I'm like, I don't really want to build a sales team. You know how it, I mean, you know, you know mm-hmm. how it is. Building one good sales team is hard enough building... A bunch throughout the country is hard enough, so we started um, joint venturing with other people around the country. That if they wanted to partner with TV commercials, that we would figure out how to do TV commercials with them. Mm-hmm. They would not have as big investment up front. We take some risk with them, and we would split the profits. Yeah. And so, um, so that's what we're doing. We're slowly scaling out a joint venture uh, model to where if someone says, "Hey, I just..." I can't pay for TV myself, and I don't want to do it myself. That we will come in and do it with them, and then we also provide funding if they want to do flips and wholesales, and and provide some support on the uh, additional support on the back end for them.
1: It's really smart. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So basically, we're building a, a sales army and utilizing our strategy that we know, know works really well, and not having to create a whole team around it or a big team around it.
1: Yeah, that's brilliant. How many how many uh, joint ventures do you have around the country at the moment?
0: Uh, we're doing five right now, um, and then uh, we want to figure out how to get a scalable model because even even if we pick really good people to do it, we still have to do some tracking and accountability and things of that nature. So, um, so yeah, we just have five right now.
1: Okay, and then if someone was interested right now in the joint venture, like how how does that work?
0: Yeah, so the the joint ventures the way they've happened. Uh, at the beginning, it was newer investors that have done some deals, which I, I want that as a requirement. They need to know the business, right? Um, they came to us and they're like, man, I, you know, for us to be able to afford to do TV commercials and make sure we have at least three months of ad spend, because <laughs> first month, typically, our, our clients are doing deals and making money. But there are times where it does take some time to ramp up the leads and, and for those deals to convert. So I, I say plan at least three months. I would like to say six months, but three months usually... of our clients are making money and doing, doing pretty well within three months. And so some, some people were like, I just can't, can't commit to that. And so we're like, okay, we, we'd vet them a little bit. We like you, we like your market. We can spend five grand a month in that market. And then we'd figure out, do we provide the ad spend? Do we split the ad spend? You know, how do we work that? And we, we do it based on just different factors. Um, So that's been the way it started. Um, I'd say about, somewhere around six, nine months ago as we started that. And then um, we also had a client that came to us and said, hey, I bought a second market with you guys. We're doing really well in both markets, but I I don't, I just don't have the capacity to take on both. And so I saw what one of them was doing in one of those markets in Texas mm. and I'm like, I will be your JV partner there. So we will put a lead manager in place, help you with the leads, help you with whatever you need. And I um, mean, you know, like last month we spent six grand and I think we made 80 grand in that market yeah. you know, off a of $6,000 ad spend. You know, And so- um, I want I want to figure out how to get people on TV that they can't afford it. If I feel like they can do deals, so whether it's them become a client of ours or us to JB with them.
1: Yeah. Um. All right, and then so we're talking about uh, joint venturing now. Uh, one thing that uh we also talked about earlier, you know, offline before we started is uh expanding outside of real estate. Mm-hmm. You know, so like my team is breathing down my neck. It's like, Steve, we need to do more sales training outside of real estate investors because the market's only so big.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: An understandable, you know, conversation at the same time. I don't know a lot of industries where the margins are so large. Margin of error is so large that, you know, you can spend a significant amount on the sales team. You know, like you, I'm, I'm thinking generally speaking, if you have like an insurance salesperson or, um, you know you're, smelling, you're 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 selling most items there's not enough margin there to justify spending a good amount on sales training mm-hmm. so you're talking about expanding outside of, of of real estate so what has been your experience in, in that
0: we haven't started that process yet um, so we just did the, did the rebranding if you can see um actually can't see my shirt there how do we there's a little delay here. There you go. 10X TV. There you go. So there's the new logo. So we, we decided to, to rebrand it. We were calling it Real Estate Masters TV, mm-hmm. um, but we decided to change it to 10X TV because we are going to expand it outside. And so the way that it looks is we know that real estate works really well, partly because I've got 10 years of TV experience now. So I know what works and what doesn't for myself. And now we've tested it and it's worked for a lot of clients and so how do we take that outside of the real estate industry and like you said uh you know we have big margins in real estate right, right. so i mean you could have 100 200 three hundred thousand dollar months right um so people can afford tv people can afford sales training for scaling outside of uh outside of real estate it's just gonna have to be the same thing where it's high ticket items right yeah. some you know i, I may call it high ticket tv right or something like that <laughs> but it's going to be attorneys, it's going to be doctors, it's going to be roofing companies. Roofing companies have amazing margins and they can you know, turn a roof in a couple of days. Um, it's going to be HVAC contractors. Uh, basically anywhere where there's high ticket items, high margins, and their turnaround time is low. Yeah. Um, and obviously attorneys may be the the the, um, uh, the exception to that because sometimes it'll take them a few months or maybe even yeah, a but year, their margins two are huge. years to get their
1: yeah, because I think cases you, you don't really, even really need to reinvent this, right? I mean, you just have to stay home one day, one morning, and just watch The prices Right, and you got you know all those attorney ads. Like, have you been a you know, mesothelioma, or have you been injured in a car accident? You already have your target audience probably from just from that.
0: If they don't already have someone running their commercials,
1: well, right, but you right. know the avatar, you know what industries right, they're willing yeah. to pay. Absolutely. You don't have to reinvent the wheel.
0: You're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah
1: got it okay so you said you're just exp- you're just exploring this at the moment
0: yeah i mean my media guy that that runs this back in for me so the story behind tv i'll just tell it real quick is um I, I met a guy at a networking event and he invited me to a poker game so we go down to the to the guy's basement uh the friend of a friend and i see this guy that i've noticed that's on tv and so this whole celebrity factor of like oh wow it's cool man i get to talk to this guy mm-hmm. so i sit next to him and start talking to him and and uh I was like, hey, man, how are your TV commercials doing? He's like, man, we're doing like $2 million a year of construction business, and all we do is TV. And I'm like, wow, that's super cool. And so I started drilling him on it, and he's like, "Eh, it might be good for your business. Why don't you call my my guy, Drew, and um, he can tell you more about it. He's the one that did my production and did the ad buying and stuff like that. So I told him my business and and everything, and he's like, yeah, for probably a few thousand bucks a month, I can get you hundreds of commercials a month. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, that's sweet. And so I come up with the scripts and you know, give them the graphics I think would be good. So we collectively worked on it and within 30 days I had a commercial and uh, spent three grand my first month and made 35 grand. And then that was eight years ago, or 10 years ago now. Mm-hmm. And it's been anywhere from a five to uh, 12x return of my money um, since then. So that's kind of how TV started. Um, go back to your last question. What was your question again?
1: Uh, I was talking about what is your plan, or how do you plan on growing this growing other out. arm?
0: Yeah. So, oh, oh. So what I was getting to was, is that my media guy Drew has been doing this for twenty years. I mean, he knows TV like the back of his hand. So for me, it's me going out and finding people, educating on, on them on what works. I've got a really good formula that works. I mean, mm-hmm. when we sat down and we we said, okay, we're going to launch this out. Like, what is the formula? What made our commercials work when some other people's didn't? Or you know what could be the drawback? And so we have five main things that we went through that said, okay, these are the five things that need to be really good for your for commercials. And when someone comes to me and they say, "Hey, my commercials didn't do very well, it's usually because they're missing one or a, quite a few of those things. And so um, so basically what we do is we take that formula, plug it into any other business, and then my my media team, which is Drew and his team that's behind the scenes that does all the ad buying, they're really good at negotiating rates. So mm-hmm. they can go to stations where if you went directly, I mean, you're a good negotiator, obviously, but like, if you went to a station and you said, hey, I want to spend money on your station, can you tell me what the package would be? Can you tell me what you know, times of it to be on and all that kind of stuff? They'd probably try and sell you the most expensive stuff. They probably wouldn't understand your avatar. I mean, mm-hmm. that's happened to me so many times um, with, different, with different things that I've done where they just don't understand the avatar. And they're just gonna be way more expensive. So like last week I had a client come to us or someone come to us and say, hey, we started TV, I just wanna fully disclose that. We started it like two months ago and we just not get any leads. Mm. And I said, how much are you spending? He said five grand, or it might've been like four grand, 4,500, something like that. And I said, how many commercials are you getting a month? He said, 40. And I'm like, I, I, so we already have one client in that market. So I went, I went and, and looked and I said, w- for that ad spend, we can get you like 400 to 500 commercials a month. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then what shows are you airing on? So he kind of names some, and I'm like, that is not your avatar. Like, they're totally screwing you. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, so we're going to, and we've done that with probably a handful of people where they're like, my TV commercials didn't do well. And so not only do we, are they on the wrong uh, stations and maybe shows, but their phone number not easy to remember, their website's too long, their message isn't clear. I mean, there's mm. so many different things that you think it would be simple. I mean, I, I've been doing it a long time, but even just from a marketing perspective, you would think that really smart people would be able to figure some of those things out, but sometimes they just they're just disconnected on a couple of those things, and it makes all the difference in the world.
1: Yeah, I mean, marketing is one of those things that you can learn if you go out and like spend some time to figure it out. But it's not intuitive. Like, there's just so many areas that things could break if you don't think about it, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so, what are those things that you're saying? Like, you know, they must have as far as a commercial? You're saying like, you know, you, you're looking at his thing; he doesn't have the five pieces. Like, what are some things that are must-haves? In a, in, a, in a TV commercial?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, you could have the perfect commercial, but if you're not hitting the right avatar, if you don't know who it is and you're not hitting those sh- right shows, then you're hitting the wrong people. Mm-hmm. You're just not going to get the phone to ring. So that's that's one thing. Um, two, two is a clear call to action. I mean, have you ever seen like a billboard or um, just like, you know, pretty decent commercials and they just have no call to action, mm-hmm. right? You yeah. know, and so for ours, we have a clear and defined call to action and it's there on the screen the whole time for them to see it. Um, there's easy to remember phone number and website. Like if someone can't remember the phone number, someone can't remember the website, they're gonna Google and you're not gonna be found. I mean, you might be if you're doing right. PPC or if you have a bunch of reviews on Google and it pops up on the map, you know, or if your SEO is really good. But chances are, you know, you're gonna be competing with a lot of others. Even if they do see you on the top, they're gonna see the next four, four guys mm-hmm. and they're gonna go, oh, maybe I need to call them, right? right. So that, that's a big thing. Um, and then uh, the messaging, you have 30 seconds to get your message across. So, like, it needs to be clear, it needs to be concise. And I don't consider myself a copywriter, but I, I feel like I'm pretty good at like copywriting when I yeah. write, like, for my, you know, websites and stuff like that. So, I wrote my scripts in the beginning and they worked really well. And it's just like, who are you? What do you do? What problem can you solve? And what are the advantages of using you? Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's just, you have to portray that in 30 seconds. Yeah, wasn't it wasn't for me.
1: Uh, if someone wanted to see one of your ads one of your commercials like where would they go to find this
0: Um, you go to remtv.com remtv.com you can see you can't see the full commercial but you can see some clips of it Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know that I really have a full commercial on on a website right now yeah Uh, more of uh, the clips of of the commercials that we have
1: got it so you're early on this journey to expand Uh, do you have like a time frame on this to expand to outside real estate.
0: Yeah. So, you know, we, we really want to service the real estate industry. Well, so we want to do that really well for the next, probably six to 12 months, especially as we add radio to the mix. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I just hired a, a, a decent sized marketing team in the last, I think it was about six months ago. And so we've been ramping a lot of things up since then. And so um, I wanna make sure that we get everything dialed in before we start um outside of our industry. Um, but I would say we'd probably start testing in the next six to nine months, just putting some feelers out there, maybe um, maybe just, you know, reaching out to some other people in the in, in different industries and seeing what the results are, especially those who have already done TV in different industries. Right. Get some data and then when we feel like we've got some good data, then um then just just start launching.
1: Yeah. So we just had our quarterly meeting this past weekend. And so they're like, we really want to do this. Like, I don't know if we're ready, but let's, let's just take a small step. Let's take some baby steps and see if there's an actual desire for it. So uh, the quarterly rock for this quarter, the final quarter of the year is to just do one general sales webinar. And from that one general sales webinar, we'll find out how many people are actually interested. Right. And then from there, we'll see if we have audiences that are willing to pay. And then after that, if we have audiences willing to pay, then we'll actually start applying resources to fulfilling it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, taking just little baby micro steps, just to see if the markets there before we, before we expand.
0: Well, the way that I feel like I'm going to do it with TV is, so right now when someone comes to us, we don't have, we don't have an educational platform where we can just show people how to do TV and they do it on their own. Mm-hmm. We could do that. But chances of someone going and implementing all of those steps that I told you is very slim. Um, Even when we do the implementation, every once in a while we have a client that just doesn't have time to get us just basic information for us to get them get their commercial together, right? Yeah. Um. So, but I I feel like to be able to launch to the masses, I think we'll probably put together a course that shows people how to do TV commercials if they want to do it on their own, and then if they decide that they want us to do the implementation for them, mm-hmm. they'd have to go through an application and you know go through a sales team and make sure they're a good fit to to work with. Um, so we'll do definitely do it a little bit different, where we'll have an educational platform that if they want to do it themselves, they can, and then if they want us to do it for them and us pay uh, then pay us, then we'll do it.
1: Got it. Yeah. And then I know that you were talking about there's some markets that are open, other markets that are sold out, even have a wait list. Uh, do you guys? still have that policy of one client per market?
0: No, we have 2 to 3 people per market. Okay. Yeah. So, Phoenix, Arizona big enough for 3 people. It's mm-hmm. a, it's a large area. Atlanta, Georgia, Dallas, Texas. Um there's uh, you know some markets that w- they will allow 3 people. Um there's probably smaller markets that could even allow 3 people, but we we cap it at 2 just so they don't feel like they're 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 fighting over um too many leads and that kind of thing. I mean, if you think about it, there's Hundreds and hundreds, maybe even thousands of investors in a given market. So if you have three or four or five people on TV, which you know a lot of them would be our clients, or you know maybe running with another media company, um, it's not gonna. It's probably not gonna get saturated. Um, But yeah, two to three per market, and we have uh, several markets where we have three clients in a market, and all three are doing well. So. So
1: how far would five thousand get me in Phoenix?
0: Five thousand would not get you anywhere. (laughs) Uh, yeah it would be I mean some of the bigger markets even 10 grand could probably get you by Mm -hmm. Um, we'd probably recommend closer to maybe 15 but I think 10 grand could probably get you enough commercials to make it worthwhile Um, but yeah I mean I I, I would say I meant to do the stat on this but I think probably 80% of the markets in the US could 5 grand a month would get you would get you uh, would be enough ad spend to get you quite a few commercials and when when I say quite a few, we're, we're gonna get you at least 300 minimum. Mm-hmm. And there's some, some markets where someone will say, you know, I can spend five grand, you know, which is our minimum of what we want someone to spend or we require someone to spend. And sometimes we can get like a thousand commercials a month.
1: It's crazy. Wow. Yeah. So uh, we're gonna jump into the audience questions, but before we do that, we're gonna do a quick break. So let's go ahead and take that break. Hey, Steve Trang here. A lot of you have been asking me for sales management training. I didn't feel quite right teaching it, but I found the perfect guy to teach it for us. So, Ren, tell us about it.
0: Steve, we're gonna be introducing some really intense fundamentals and philosophy behind the management of sales teams. Uh, Have a ton of experience building really high performance sales teams and really taking a little bit of this and a little bit of that management practices and theories from all over the place and brought them together to create a unique whole person perspective that drives low performers to high performers and elite caliber salespeople into sales champions. And couldn't be more excited to partner with you on it and the sales disruptors brand
1: for sure. So go to disruptors.com success. And we'll see you at the next event. Hey, all right. So we already have a bunch of questions coming in and man, Instagram is definitely uh, paying attention today. So first question from Isaac McGee on Instagram is what is the name of this guy's business?
0: Uh, so we launched, when we launched uh, the TV program, Real Estate Masters was my educational company. So we originally, we called it Real Estate Masters TV. So we're in the, in the process of switching it over to, if you can see the shirt, 10X TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to do 10X TV because, um, you know, for the name of it, you know, a lot of our clients are getting over 10X, but it's again, reaching 10 times more people, 10 times faster, uh, 10, times more e- 10 times easier and 10 times more authority in your market based on that. Um, and then also we want to launch other things outside of real estate. So 10X right. TV is, is the name of the the TV brand.
1: Any concerns about, you know, there's a big guy who really pushes that, that, that slogan. Any concerns at all about that?
0: No, not at all. I mean, if he contacts us, we'll figure something out, but um, I think we, we own 10X Co. We own, I mean, we've got some different domains and mm-hmm. some different things and, I don't know. We may look at trademarking, but I doubt he has anything to do with TV. I think it's all media based.
1: Yeah, we have uh, we did part in the disruption, and the first thing we did is did research on it, and we saw there's actually multiple podcasts out there called Part in the Disruption. I oh, yeah. had no idea. So first thing we did was trademark it, so that no one could come after us. Right. Even though we wouldn't necessarily enforce it on someone else, which is on protect ourselves from having someone pursue us. Right. Right. And uh, our trademark attorney says, "Well, you don't have to worry about the other part in the disruption, guys." you have to worry about the pardon the interruption guys because <laughs> they have the debate show before you did. And I was telling him like, well, I hope ESPN comes after me. And I would I would wilt, right? I mean, there's no question about
0: that. ESPN is part of the interruption or just- yeah, dis-
1: part of the interruption. Interruption, yeah. And there's no doubt I would wilt, right? Like I don't have the money to go ask against those guys, but it'd be a pretty cool story, right? Yeah. I was like, yeah, you know, like ESPN's coming after a little guy like myself. <laughs> uh, Pat Locke uh, says on Instagram, it's not slower unless you think it is. Great point. I love the mindset, but Phoenix is tough as hell. And so is San Diego at the moment. I actually talked to someone yesterday in San Diego and he's like, yeah, um, this deal I had uh, that took eight months to clear probate is no longer a deal. It's like, man, like, it's like this was an 80 K spread when I locked it up mm-hmm. today. It's a, uh, I had to go get my earnest money back. <laughs> oh man. Uh, Camillo on YouTube. So true had a house. I almost did a 25 K price drop on, but held on another two weeks and ended up getting a full price offer and appraisal just came back above.
0: There you go. Good job. Yeah. Be patient.
1: Yeah. You got to hold out. So Stephen caller asks, uh, what does a joint venture look like? So we kind of touched on it a little bit, but maybe you can go into a little more detail of what a joint venture would involve.
0: Yeah. So, um, we would want to pick a mark, first of all, that would be a small ad spend, right? Because we are probably going to participate in that ad spend most likely and or participate in funding the deals in that market. Um, and it's going to be market specific. So um, if someone wants to to find out about it, they just go to our website, rmtv.com, fill out the form, schedule a call with my team uh, or myself, depending on uh, you know when it comes in. And we talk about what the market looks like. What is your experience level? What do we bring into the table? How much are we investing in the commercials if we do invest in the commercials ourselves? um, And then we split the profits. Usually it's a uh, 50-50 split. So if an experienced investor comes to us and say, hey, what's your JV JV split like? It probably doesn't make sense Mm -hmm. because if they have a sales team, if they can afford to do the ad spend, they're going to make so much more money without us, right? And they don't need us necessarily. But if someone is... Doesn't quite have the money to, you know, again, have the three months worth of ads spend. We'll waive all of our fees. We do have some fees involved with what we do. um, And we put our money where our mouth is. So like we're taking a risk with them by putting our time and effort in getting commercials up and running for them and spending time by, you know, doing a little bit of coaching if they need it. We have a couple new investors that, um, that are in our JV partnership. So I spend some time with them, coaching them, going over numbers. They use our deal analyzers. They'll utilize my team if they need it. Um, So we give a lot more resources for um, JV partnerships than we do just our clients. Usually our clients, if they're more experienced, we get them on TV, we go over their numbers, we support them on TV, and that's all they need. Um, But joint venture partners typically are going to need more than that.
1: Right. Makes makes total sense. Um, And Isaac wants to know, how much do we need to spend a month? So you've given some figures there. So answer it generally speaking, and Isaac, if you can let us know what market you're in, he could probably give a more clear answer.
0: Yeah, there you go. Yeah, five 5,000 a month, like I said, get, can get typically hundreds and hundreds of commercials uh, a month. So um, let me give you an example. Um, trying to think of a market that is not taken. Uh, Chattanooga. I think there's probably close to a million people in that market. Um total, when you look at the main market and the surrounding area, $5,000 a month definitely gets hundreds of commercials a month. Um, so if it's again, like a Dallas, Texas, Atlanta, um, LA for sure. It's one of the biggest markets, New York city encompasses 15 million people. You'd have to spend 30 grand a month there. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Um, but the spreads are big there, so it could work. Um, and you're reaching a lot of people. Um, so yeah, five I'd, to be safe, five to 10 grand can get 90 some percent of markets throughout the, uh, through, throughout the U S.
1: And then, uh, Stephen follow up question is what would you suggest for ad spend in a secondary market like Notre Dame, Indiana, which has 290,000 population.
0: So Notre Dame is, um, what's, what's that been, uh, bend. No, not bend. Um, where, where is, uh, where's Notre Dame? What city is that? um, uh, I want to say Great Bend. No, that's not it. Anyway, whatever city that's in, I can tell you right now, I know the number because I looked at it the other day. You're going to hit um, a little less than a million people total. I think it's 300,000 households. So you're going to take that times about three. So about 900,000 people. Um, you can spend five grand a month there. That is a okay. market. You can spend five grand a month. I'd probably recommend if you can do it seven to eight because mm-hmm. that's the difference between five grand and eight grand is two stations, hundred, uh 300 to 400 commercials. Once you start bumping up your ad spend, 1,000 to 2,000, we can typically add another station, a bunch of shows, and then get you a a couple hundred more commercials.
1: Got it. And then uh, Ian Ross wants to know, in your experience, should the call to action change depending on the avatar?
0: The avatar is going to be similar. um, But if someone does land or someone buys multifamily or something like that, what we do is we call our system a franchise-like system. So we know the scripts that work really well. So we're going to stick pretty dang close to those scripts because they've worked for a lot of real estate investors throughout the country. Um, These are the ones that I started with that I tested and then we tested in other markets. So if someone says that they do land, we can say we buy houses and land or we buy houses, land and multifamily or we love mobile homes. You know, We might add some things like Mm -hmm. that if, if there's a certain asset class that they're they're looking to buy. Gotcha. We actually have one guy that's that's crushing land right now. He's in, I'm going to tell you the exact market, but it's in the South. Um, and he he added land to his commercial. And the last three months, he's then done, done $200,000 land deals because they don't know what they're worth. They're mm-hmm. like 10 acres out in the sticks a little bit. Um, he picked them up for like 25,000, sp- split them up into three lots and sold them for like 150. I mean, the numbers were pretty similar on both deals. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we can, we, can, we can tweak it a little bit for for what their audience is, even though the avatar, the person that you're marketing to is pretty similar.
1: Yep. Uh, and then a follow-up question for me, and what were some of the challenges you faced as, as a company getting to the state where you have the confidence you have now in terms of knowing what numbers work in different markets?
0: Uh, number one, my media guy. I mean, when I, when I went to him and I said, hey, we're going to launch this throughout the US, let's create a system for this. So he we documented every single market Um, what the amount of households is, which can tell us about the amount of population that's there. Um, and then we put a range. Do you, you know, when I say five grand, that's the minimum, like you can, like some of those markets, you can spend up to 15, right. Mm -hmm. Or even more. So when I say five grand, that's the minimum to get started. Um, I recommend if someone can afford it to go a little bit higher. So basically we took, um, a range in each of those markets and said, okay, if someone's in Kansas city, Missouri, it needs to be eight grand minimum. And they could start up to 20 grand if they wanted to. So really it was just documenting that. And then we test that and we'd put the, you know, put those ad spends out there and then start launching our clients and realize five grand, the minimum did great, you mm-hmm. know? And then we kind of like say, okay, do you want to add a little bit more? Do you want to test seven grand? And then, okay, that works even better. Okay. Do you want to test 10 grand? Okay. Maybe that didn't work quite as well. Let's maybe bump it back down to eight. That's probably the sweet spot. So that's something we, we do for our clients, but um, to have the confidence to to know what the ad spend is, I mean, um, it's just, you know, doing it enough that we know what numbers work.
1: Or having the right people.
0: And having the right people for sure.
1: Yep. Um, and then a follow from uh, Camillo on YouTube is the name of your site again?
0: Uh, REMTV.com. So that stands for Real Estate Masters TV. Um, or an easy way to remember it is C O not com, but CO. Should have just bought the .com. Uh, we are trying to get it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. There's some, uh, some domains I try to buy and I look at them. I was like, they want what for this?
0: Yeah. That's it's it's crazy. Work. It's crazy.
1: Yeah. And you got a shout out, uh, uh, from Swindler. So shout out from Richita, Wichita, What's up? So, um, in dealing with, uh, uh, your group, right? Again, you have over a hundred people, which is impressive, right? I mean, it's not even two years mm-hmm. they've been doing this. What are some other trends you're seeing uh, is in their business? You know, outside of just the market, is there anything else you're seeing out there? Because you have that much data out there?
0: Oh yeah, yeah, it, it's crazy because um, we've had some well-known people come to us and say, we want you to run our TV commercials. Mm-hmm. And we started, um, I think it's about a year ago, we started running the phone number through our system so we could have the data, number one, and two, so we could listen to the phone calls. Because we'd have people come to us and say, We got 90, or no, they would come to us and they'd say, our commercials aren't working. Okay, what's your data? How many calls are you getting? Well, we don't know. Okay, well, how's your sales team doing? I think they're doing okay. It's like, okay, we need some more data. So we started running the phone numbers through our system, Mm -hmm. and partly because we had buy the number and know it's a good number. Mm -hmm. Even though we'd coach our clients, hey, buy this number or buy something similar, they would go buy some random number. So that was part of it too. So we would see calls coming in and the way they were handled. And you would think the people that you would probably know that have good businesses, I mean, they're probably still doing okay, but when their guys answer the phone, hello, or they're out and about, just, you know, you can tell they're in their car, or like their kids are in the back screaming, you know, just stuff like that. It's like people that I, I can tell the people who have their stuff dialed in. They're mm-hmm. the ones doing the big numbers. The yeah. ones that don't have their stuff dialed in, that have kids screaming in the background and some guy answering, that doesn't even say the business name. Those are the ones that struggle a little bit because even if you're on TV, if someone calls you and you don't answer with your business, and you have screaming kids in the back, mm-hmm. they're going to be like, "Who are you? Do I really yeah. trust you?" Right. You know, um, and you're very unpresent with them too, and they can feel that. So, uh, so that's a that's a trend. Is that those that are doing really well, we listen to their calls. They're dialed in. They yeah. answer the phone, or they return the call back quickly. You can see that in the system. Um, and they're converting, they're just converting. They're just doing doing the deals. I mean, you know, we have, we have clients that a lot of, we call it the 100K club. We have a lot of clients doing $100,000 deals. If that phone call that came in, they didn't answer that call and that person went somewhere else, that's $100,000 that really screw your uh, skew your numbers, yeah. you know? Um, so that's one thing for sure. Um, and then um, that's the biggest thing, I think at the top top of my head is just, people dial in in their sales process. I mean, yeah. people spend so much money for leads, but they don't dial in their sales process.
1: Well, the marketing, right? I mean, that's the first step is we want to get the marketing right. And after the marketing, then we got to get the sales right. And then once we get the sales right, then we got to get like the people right. And after that, we got to get the finances right. So there's like so many things we have to do well. And I think uh, I've been guilty of this, right? You just assume everyone knows what that, everyone knows what to do and how to do it correctly mm-hmm. and consistently. Mm-hmm. But without inspecting it, you just don't know. Um, it's actually one of the reasons why um, Jason Lewis and I partnered up. We created um, uh, a um, we use observe, which is basically can listen to all the inbound calls,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and using AI, it can tell you like it was a good call or not call.
0: It's called observe.
1: Yeah, uh, we're using it's um it's our we use it we call it our lead manager training, but we're using a, another program where they can just listen to all the calls mm-hmm. and scores the calls, and then you know you can get a weekly report or like you know here are all the good calls to listen to, here are all the bad calls to listen to.
0: Yeah, we're looking at trying to implement that technology too. It's probably the same company that you're you're going through yeah. that we're looking at. Yeah,
1: yeah. So it it, it makes a difference, right? Uh, and then it helps me selfishly, right? As a trainer, I know what is working on the phones, right? Like I have ideas, I have beliefs, I know what you know works for my sales team. But like having this data, it just tells us exactly, right? Here's it's what here's what leads to uh, the uh, booked appointment. Here's what led to like. Thank you for your time. So we had some more questions here. So, um, Ian is the reason you're sticking to real estate now is mainly to establish a track record. Uh, it seems like the principles of these numbers and factors would be applicable to almost any industry.
0: Oh, hundred percent. Um, the biggest thing is I, I have a good name in, in, in this industry. I've been doing it 20 years. I've done close, uh, done, done close to a thousand flips in my, in my career. So for me to, to go into the real estate industry and say, I've been doing TV commercials for 10 years. I've been in business for 20, it's a lot easier for me to go into the real estate industry with credibility. Yep. If I go outside of that, it may be a little bit tougher. Maybe that's, maybe that's a limiting belief. I don't know. But, um, but for us to tackle the masses, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be some, some trial and error. You know, when I, when I launched, um, when I launched this, this business, it was easy. Cause I had um, 10 people that I went to and I said, Hey, I'm going to test this out. Mm-hmm. And I, I think every single one of them said yes. And oh, yeah. so, um, and then I still have, I think, eight of those clients that are still running this day two years later. Um, so it was easy for me to get into, that, into this industry because I've, I've been in it and have credibility in it. So to go outside of it just would be a little bit different. I, you know, again, it may be a limiting belief. Um, it's just going to be definitely different um, to, to go outside. And I don't know, maybe it's going to be a lot easier because yeah. it's the masses instead of those that are actually doing deals in real estate.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's you've got the the same questions I've got, right? Because I. Like I've been doing this for 15 years, right? We've been doing the sales training for some time now. Mm-hmm. I go outside of real estate, like how well, how much traction am I going to get?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, I think the limiting beliefs you got, I share those same exact yeah. limiting beliefs. Yeah. Uh, what, is your, what is the biggest struggle you face today?
0: Biggest struggle? Oh, that's a great question. You asked me this last time. Um, I would say just planning the next move. You know, I, I, I'm i comfortable enough. And and I say this with all the gratitude in the world that I don't have to create anything above and beyond what I'm doing now um, just because I've got enough passive and, passive and residual income um, to live a comfortable lifestyle. But I think I'm like you. I just want to create. I want to yeah. do different things. I want to make impact and all those kinds of things. So I think it's just the next step. You know, I think yeah. that's one of the reasons I haven't gone outside of um, real estate investing yet for TV is just, you know, you, you put the right steps in place, you can have a great fruitful business. If you put the wrong steps in place then it's like, you could go, man, why did I do this? Oh, I I didn't, I didn't have to. (laughs) I I did that recently with a company where I I created a company that it just, it sucked the energy out of me the last year. Mm -hmm. 95% of the problems came from this company. And so we decided a few months ago, we're like, we're not doing it anymore. You know, what company was that? funding, gap funding, gap funding. Yeah. So we're, we're still doing some deals for real estate and and we may ramp it back up. We just made a lot of mistakes. We Mm -hmm. just lent to the wrong people. We didn't have really good processes in place. Um, and 90, again, 95% of the problems that came across my desk was, were these, were these deals? Yeah. Well, I remember you announcing it at Family
1: Mastermind, Yeah. right? Which, you know, I don't know if you were planning on going, uh, last month or was it earlier this month? I, I, was,
0: did. I did, I went for a day. Oh, you did go? <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, you did go? Yeah, yeah. I went out, uh, I had my flight booked, right? And I had the the Airbnb and by the way, Airbnb does not do re- re- returns for oh, really? hurricanes. So I was like, oh, that sucks. So it was so much cheaper to go like rent a house because I got a whole team going with me. Right. So we rented right. a house and they're like, yeah, you know, you should have known the hurricanes are at risk. Like, no, I shouldn't. I live in Arizona. I have no uh-huh, idea right? Right. what's hurricane I didn't season. know
0: until three days before <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Right,
1: so so yeah we got the uh the airbnb whatever but uh the morning of because i was planning on leaving monday morning, uh uh, first thing no i was planning on leaving monday afternoon right Mm -hmm. and like my flight was still scheduled and i'm just watching hurricane ian just kind of (laughs) like trend this direction so you flew in on sunday
0: on sunday i'm like i'm like i'm just gonna figure it out if i have to fly out again you know whatever but yeah
1: well you also have the convenience of having a plane so did you fly your plane? I there? didn't
0: fly. It was too far to fly. Too far for, to fly. For, yeah, from San Diego to, <laughs> to Tampa, Florida. It, it could have done it, but it would have been, yeah. It would have been a trek? Yeah, and way expensive.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, I guess, side question, how far do you feel comfortable flying?
0: Uh, in my plane? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to Dallas next, or two weeks. Yeah. Um, so about halfway across the country is about as far as I want to. Because, I, I mean, four-hour nonstop flight to Tampa, just, just a lot easier. You know, Um, I love flying, but there's a point where you just don't want to spend all day in an airplane. That's not fun anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Got it. Um, So um, planning the next step is the biggest struggle right now. So really, is it the thinking the plan all the way through? Is it trying to figure out what to do? What's, Trying to figure out what to do next, or that's what a, is-
0: that's a great question. So my personality is ready, fire, aim. Yeah, right, and that's what I did with the gap funding company. Mm-hmm. Is I'm like, okay, I, you know, I've got some money sitting. I can get some really good returns on it. I've already done, and it, it happened by accident. I had a hard money lender come to me and say, "Hey, will you lend some, you know, down payments to my clients?" And so I, that's how it started. And then after about a year, year and a half, they all cashed out perfectly, made you know X percent on my money, which was you know unbelievable. So I'm like, oh, I'm gonna create a business out of this, mm-hmm. and then I just you know, started, started lending to probably people I shouldn't have. Um, and so for me, it's like I'm a little gun shy because I'm comfortable where I am right now, time-wise and everything that if I add something on, I don't want it to be, I don't want it to suck the energy out of me. Yeah, You know what I mean?
1: Oh, I completely get it. That's the, the biggest risk we're running right now is adding something else that will force us to deviate or increase liability to risking what we already have like when we're young and scrappy and have nothing to lose, take on the world, mm-hmm. but we're no longer the young and scrappy have nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. So a little scrappy still, but not quite as young. <laughs> I, I can say, I, I don't think I'm a scrappy. I've got, I, I can, I'm capable of doing more, but I don't know if I'm, if I'm as scrappy as 27 year old me who had, you know, visions, of you know taking over the world
0: oh totally totally and like even the deals that we're cleaning up right now it's like we have deals across the country that you know we had one person steal 80 grand from us on one deal we had another one steal 70 grand from us on another deal and it's like you know the young me would have flown on a plane and just gone out there and found contractors and cleaned it up but I'm like dude I'm too tired for that like if I have to lose some money on these deals I'll, I'll do it but um but yeah, that's the regret. I mean, I've, I've honestly, the last six months, I've been like, oh my gosh, there's some deals that I wish I wouldn't have funded that funded a year and a half ago mm-hmm. that we're still cleaning up to this day. Yeah. So again, once we clean all these up and we may go back to it, it's a great model. Uh, and the market's weird too right now, right? Yeah. So like if we fund a deal and it doesn't close for six months, I don't know if that market is going to go up by 5% or go down by 20%. So mm-hmm. then we're, we're at bigger risk, so.
1: What were the biggest lessons you learned in, in watching the gap funding company go sideways?
0: Um, I think it's having standards, you know, we, when, when I started lending people, I didn't put a perfect avatar in place. If I put a perfect avatar in place, I which would say, which goes against
1: like what you already knew.
0: <laughs> I, yeah. Right. You know, it's like an experienced investor done enough flips, uh-huh. has some capital behind him. You know, he may not have the capital due to down payment and you know, all of that, but he's got some capital, uh, work, you know, to, to play with, um, they're not their own contractor. You know, the ones that were that one of the, uh, two of the deals, three of the, no, three of the big deals we got screwed on, they were their own contractors. They would ask for draws. Oh, my guys are waiting there. They need to get paid. What, you know, can I get that draw? And now it's like, no, you need to have third party contractors that are doing the work. So we know they know what they're doing mm-hmm. and we know where the money's going. It's not just going to some hourly guys that are yeah. supposedly doing, that's actually what happened on one of the deals is they were taking pictures of cor- a corner of the, of the, of the rooms. They would paint the corner of the room and put flooring in the corner of the room. Take a picture, and they would say that the whole room was done. You know, just stuff like that. That um, you know, just putting together the perfect avatar and and not deviating from it. Because
1: these are guys we, that are like buying your TV as well, or just
0: no, 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 no. We man. have we we've funded some deals for our TV clients, um, but now these are these are people outside. Got it. Uh, yeah. So so the for those of your funding deals uh if they've never done a deal before, huge liability. They have no idea what they're doing, right? Even if they say they do. Yeah. That's number 1. Um if they're their own contractor, that's a no-no. And uh make sure you're you're in a price point that if you take the property back, it's not a huge nut. We've got um we've got a couple $500,000 plus properties that we're paying, you know, big mortgage payments on and then we're having to fork over another 80 grand to do the the renovations to get it where it needs to be and it's just like what, what was I doing? Yeah. <laughs> Why did I approve these deals?
1: So. Well, it made sense at the time. At the time, for sure. Yeah, and again, that's like the, the lessons I'm learning, right? Like in the 40s is like, oh, like we don't have to tackle every single thing. We don't have to say yes to every opportunity. And then again, considering the downside is like, okay, what's the risk if this goes wrong? Because that, I don't have a risk calculator back here. <laughs> it's just like, that sounds like a great opportunity. Let's go. So we're, we're, we're building up that part of the brain.
0: And you know, it's hard It's hard to know who to trust too because good salespeople will sell you that mm. they're good people. Mm. I mean, if you had a conversation with this one lady that stole 80 grand from us, you would be like, there's no way she would steal 80 grand from you. Just <laughs> the sweetest lady that was like, oh my gosh, we have great plans for this property. And it's like, I kind of let the emotions get involved of like, okay, I want to help this gal. They've got good margins, you know, but they've never done a deal. You know, that that should have been my number one thing is, they're, they haven't done a deal, and that's why a lot of lenders, when they, you know, when they vet people, it's like, have you done at least five deals? Mm-hmm. I think that's usually their minimum. Yeah, you typically see
1: five on, on the application. You know, uh, we had this conversation um, in our office, and they were talking about like, we don't like to sell to seasoned buyers because seasoned buyers are really good negotiators, mm-hmm. right? And if they're not
0: going to pay as much too, right? <laughs> they're
1: not going to pay as much. And they were talking about like, well, isn't it wrong to sell to someone? who may be overpaying. Right? This, is, this is like an ethical conversation, right? And I challenged them on this only because I was once that stupid buyer, right? Who thought I can remodel the entire house for to 15, 20 K, right? But at the same time, you don't know what their carpenter experience is. You don't know they got family that's gonna be doing this work. Maybe they're just gonna build sweat equity into it, right? but we tend to pass this judgment of like, oh, this guy, there's no way he can he can buy it at this price. He doesn't know what he's doing. And they're like, maybe we shouldn't sell it him. Like, I like, I think there's a question of how dare you tell this guy he's incapable of doing this. Because like, have you ever uh, sold a deal? Like, oh, there's, you know, it's not a good deal. And you see what they're done. When they're done with it, like, wow. It's amazing what they've done with it. Mm-hmm. But our sales team at times, it's trying to pass judgments like, oh, you know, there's no way they'd ever pay this much. So just things, uh, things that kind of go through my mind, we're saying like, you know, you lose money in your first deal. It's like there are people that lose money in their first deal. There are people that knock it out. You just and, it, and if they lose the money, that's a learning
0: lesson. It's a learning Either lesson. They won't do it again or they realize they're not fit, fit for the, for the industry. Yeah.
1: I mean, that was me. My first few years, right, is uh, in, in working with other people that were uh, flipping houses. It was just a given right that you lost money in your first deal like that's no longer a given now what well, it might be now but shouldn't be it shouldn't be but the reality is there's a lot of people on their first flip they can't they don't know how to budget a flip they don't know how to manage contractors they don't understand the finances they don't know how maybe hard money works, right? They may not read that. Maybe there's a three month minimum. There's like a lot of things that can go wrong.
0: I think the number, well, there's two things. One, the contractors, obviously, I mean, you know, (laughs) even if they bid 50, if it goes wrong, you're. Oh yeah, it's going to go over budget. Just assume it's going to go over budget and over time. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And then, um, oh God, what was the other thing? I was just thinking, oh, um, the calculations. Mm -hmm. Like someone's like, someone sent me a message the other day. They're like, I've got this property locked up for a hundred thousand. I think I can sell it for one fifty. I'm going to put 20,000 into it. I can make 30 easy, like make an easy $30,000. And it's like, dude, real estate commissions, holding costs. Like I had to educate this guy a little bit. And when I went back and forth with him. I'm like, okay, you just don't understand, obviously.
1: Or, um, or just send them to one of your, one of your students.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting how people think real estate's easy and they, they just, there's so many different parts to it that they have to be educated in order to well, make it
1: work. When you watch HGTV, it does look pretty easy.
0: It does look easy, yeah.
1: Right? Sure. And that is the guy that's going to pay the most. Right? Again, the guy that's flipping 10 houses a month is not my avatar. That guy is skilled, has been through, he's been scarred, and uh, it, he knows how to negotiate. And, um, and he doesn't need it. He just doesn't need it. So, uh, again, it's been 12 months. What is the biggest lesson you've learned since you were on the show last?
0: Biggest lesson. Um, well, I think w- going back to the funding business, I think um, just, I don't know, maybe just planning a little bit better. Like again, I'm a ready, fire, aim kind of guy, but I think if I would have just sat back and thought about it a little bit more and then probably advised with people who did lending, I think <laughs> they would have said, don't do this unless X, Y, Z, right? So I think I think probably adv- advising from people that have, uh, that have been there and done that Um, and I've been trying to do that more and more with a lot of things that I'm, that are new that I'm putting into place. And so, um, I think that's probably the biggest lesson is, is maybe just take your time a little bit more. And, you know, again, I didn't have to do that business. My ego just got, got in the way of like, oh wow, I made some money on these deals. Now I can make it a, you know, multi, multi-million dollar company, which I think I could still do, but it, you know, I got set back quite a bit with these deals that I'm trying to clean up.
1: Well, there's that question like, oh, I should how do I scale this? You know, like the, it's, you see these memes, right? Like every entrepreneur, how do I monetize this? How do I scale this? Mm-hmm. Right? And we, we, we have this habit, like we've already had all these successful businesses. Obviously we can just extend our genius to this. And then we don't actually think mm-hmm. things through. And that's when we get, that's when we get burned.
0: Yeah. And then I took away so much time and energy to that company, the the new funding company, that I could have been scaling the TV company, which is a thousand times easier. Right. You know, we find clients, we get them results, we, you know, blow them up on TV and um, it doesn't take a lot of our time. In fact, it's rewarding because people will text us, oh man, our first month we did three deals, we did five deals, you know, and and the number, the feedback we get from them is energizing and the feedback I was getting back from the gap funding people was like, my contractor walked away with 10 grand. Can you lend me some more money? You know, those kinds of conversations.
1: Yeah, a little bit more uh, soul crushing. So if someone was interested in in getting more motivated seller leads from TV, what's the best way for them to do that?
0: Uh, REMtv.com, again, stands for real estate masters, uh, REMtv.com, 10xtv.co right now goes to our real estate uh, investing uh, program, but eventually we'll go to our general um, 10x tv program where we're getting other industries uh, across the country uh, on tv
1: awesome cool so i want you to think about a message you want to leave everybody with while i make a couple of quick announcements uh guys if you got value today please like subscribe share comment if you're listening leave a five-star review on apple and spotify uh, we do have our sales leadership training coming up in just a few weeks ren bartlett and myself we're going to talk about how to find quality talent how to onboard them train them manage them and ultimately retain them. You know, one of the biggest frustrations frustrations we have in running a sales organization is training someone up, teaching them everything, you know, and having them walk out the door to potentially compete against you. Right? So stop that. If you want to be able to create great uh, salespeople and retain them, be sure to check it out. Go to disruptors.com slash slash sales leadership. And we'll see if it makes sense for you to work with us there. And we do have part in the disruption tomorrow and certainty talks on friday and next week we've got my good buddy caleb pierce and he's gonna be coming out to talk about his business in i believe in carolina so what are the last thoughts you'd like to leave all the listeners with
0: yeah so i would say you know there's so much possibility in business and you know you don't know your potential until you start achieving it so like you know, for me I've had a lot of ups and downs over the last 20 years and you know, there's been some resets. And when I had those resets, I think almost every business owner has had it where they question themselves mm-hmm. and they're like, what did I do? Why did I, do, you know, why did I make these decisions and you feel like nothing's working. And typically that's just to me that's a reset. It's learning the lessons, resetting and figure out how to get to the next level faster. It's kind of like a trampoline, right? Sometimes yeah. you just have to come down before you bounce and you go even further up, mm-hmm. right? Um so that's one thing. And the other thing would be is entrepreneurship doesn't have to be hard. It is overall, mm-hmm. but it can be a lot easier. Um so I think utilizing um good people, um whether that's employees, mentors, being a part of masterminds, which is where we met, um doing things just working things smarter. I mean even what I said with the gap funding, like if I would have just had a better system in place, mm-hmm. I would have avoided a lot of those pains. Um, like for our clients, we get on TV, they come back to us and they're like, wow, this is way easier than texting, cold calling and some of the other things we've been doing. So finding strategies that are just easier on you to implement um, and just leveraging yourself overall with people, systems and, um, you know, good processes. And it, typ- it typically, there's someone there that can get you to where you want to be. And you just have mm. to find them.
1: Absolutely. It's great advice. Uh, if someone wants to uh, get a hold of you, what's the best way to do that?
0: Um, TonyJavier.TV is my Instagram handle. Uh, um So you can go to my Instagram there. Um, that's probably the best way to get a hold of me.
1: Awesome. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for coming back. Absolutely. Thanks Thank for y'all for me. watching. See y'all next week.
0: Shout out to Steve Train. Jump on the Steve Train. We real estate disrupt us.